Hello. Hey, Vanya. It's uh, it's Jack, and uh, we're. Hi, right. Jack. Hey, we've got about a little over 20 people here tonight at the Madawaska Gospel Church, and uh, we pass on our greetings to the the believers there in Ukraine. And uh, hey, thank and I, you. I mentioned to the folks here that we're going to just do a little sort of interview. Uh, I'm going to let you do most okay. of the talking and whatnot, but um, some of the people here are a little bit aware of your specific situation because we shared uh, in, okay. prayer, in our prayer meeting on Wednesday and gave a little bit of update. But I thought, first of all, you can introduce yourself and uh, tell us where you are tonight and a little bit about what's going on there in Ukraine. Okay, uh, yeah, the first thing first uh, is uh, I don't know how uh, how well people are familiar with the uh, Ukraine and with the history and uh, if there is enough on the ground to understand why the situation is happening now in here and uh, what's the spirit, spiritual background behind it. So uh, let me uh, perhaps introduce myself and uh, take a few minutes to just explain my viewpoint on that, if you don't mind. Oh, go right ahead. Okay, so uh, uh, my name is uh, Ivan. Ivan is uh, actually the name of John the Baptist, so probably the English version of my name would be John. Uh, I'm 42 years old. Um, I have two boys, um, uh, 12 years old and 8 years old. Uh, we are currently in Kiev, in the capital of Ukraine. We just moved back into Kiev. Um, we were away for nearly two weeks. Um, on the second day of bombing, uh, as the war started, uh, I took my boys and uh, I went to my parents' private house um, about 35 miles to the east uh, from Kiev. And so we stayed in that little village there. But um, the last, well, maybe four or five days, the bombing around us were so constant and so loud. Uh, we nearly, I mean, I... I I saw it with my own eyes uh, when the bombing would occur and we would see a huge flash and I would count with my boys and it would be 10 to 12 seconds, which would be about four kilometers. So it's like less than three miles away from us. And so uh, this night I woke up about, uh, it was 3.20 when I woke up and I was not able to go to bed because of the bombing. Uh, and so for like an hour, I've been praying and just uh, talking to God, what shall we do? And so I came to conclusion that we need to get back uh, to Kiev at least, uh, because Kiev, um, Kiev is the capital, right, of, Kiev, of, of Ukraine. It's very, very fortified right now, uh, and there are many blog posts around, and um, Kiev is taken as a, um, there's a specific term, it's like a last stand of Ukraine, you know, and so... Um, I have um, I have a feeling that we are more secure here. Um, and like through today, we had, um, I think, four or five, um, uh, what is that name? Um, it's like sirens yeah, uh, yeah. in the city sirens, meaning the city could be bombed. Uh, but the anti-aircraft anti or anti-missile um, systems worked, and so the bombing never occurred through the day. Uh, so it was a much, much more peaceful day for us comparing to the last week of our staying outside. Uh, but basically, um, the situation is that uh, Kiev is um, it's totally surrounded on the north at the moment. Um, I'll just share a little bit later about the cities that were completely ruined. Um, it is slightly surrounded on the, um, on the west. Uh, they're just trying to surround and they're trying to get uh, to Kiev on the east and there's nothing on the south at the moment uh, because um, uh, we, 
I mean, it's I can I can I can only share my own opinion. But we saw um, incredible guts provision and guts care through how the weather changed in the recent days. Um, they wanted to start the war earlier, much earlier than 24th of February. So it's already 18th day, right? 24th of February, it was Thursday. And so they, they planned to have the war started much earlier, like 15th of February, perhaps. Uh, but because of this Olympic stuff and because of the influence of China, uh, Putin laid it aside. Uh, then they wanted to start it on 21st, uh, but then they delayed it until 24th. And so when they started the war, the weather got immediately so warm. It was just, I mean, like in Celsius, I don't know what's it, what, what is it in, in Fahrenheit, but it was like 8 to 10 degree uh, plus in Celsius, above, above zero. And so the soil melted, and their tanks just got stuck in the yeah. soil. We were seeing and that, that they, were, uh, they were on the roads mostly because they couldn't get uh, in the fields. Uh, right, right. Which, which makes them an easy target. But, but uh, the interesting thing is that uh, that was a completely um, um, unnatural for February. February, by the way, in Ukrainian language is called Luty, which is purely translated into English as severe months. Mm -hmm. So it's the most, it's the coldest months of the year here, not even January. Even February would be the coldest months of the year. But this time it was, it was the warmest February in history, you know. And uh, then suddenly in March, it got so, uh, like three days ago, we had minus 10 Celsius, which is very cold for March. And so their tanks and their metal um, uh, weapon and everything, everything basically became unusable, you know, in, in most of the cases, they had to warm it up all the time. And so they burned a lot of gasoline. So we saw so much so much unusual things happening uh, that even the unbeliever soldiers um, would sometimes ask the believer um, chaplains to continue on praying because they would also uh, acknowledge the hand of God in all of this. But the situation is not very positive at the moment. Um, and uh, um, from my perspective, it actually, uh, it actually comes to surrounding uh, of the capital um, and and probably to additional pressure on Kiev. Uh, so Kiev um, Kiev is the city that is located right in the center of uh, Ukraine. Uh, it is a new capital of Ukraine because before um, the World War II, the capital of Ukraine was located in Kharkov. That's another city. Okay, so Kharkov is uh, about 150 kilometers, so it's about 120 miles away from Russia, and that that is a city that is the most um, demolished at the moment. Um, there is a reason behind it. Okay, so let me let me stop here. Um, I guess uh, just that was like an introduction, but then let me let me jump into the history and explain why why I think this is all happening and um, what's the spiritual background behind it. So if you have any questions about about the things that I, we, I already shared. No, I think you're doing a great job. Uh, we're just getting a little bit of an, you know, an introduction from uh, you as far as your perspective on it. Um, but yeah, okay. give, us, uh, g give us some more of the history, if you would. Okay, yeah, okay. So just, just to explain why, why I think this is happening. Uh, so you perhaps know that in 1991, 
the dissolution of the Soviet Union happened. And this, uh, I was, um, when this happened, I was nine year old. Uh, no, no, I was not, not nine year old, sorry. Um, I, was, uh, I was in the ninth grade of a school. And so, uh, from my perspective, um, this is how it went. When you would go to school, the first three years, you would be what's called uh, the October follower. And they would basically, um, they, they pressed us into learning all the history of the Soviet Union from a Soviet perspective. Um, uh, I then grew up uh, and I started to do all kind of, um, um, all, all kind of types of work. And one of them was um, the tour guide. And so I took uh, many um, United States uh, or American groups into the World War II Museum in, in Kiev. And that was very interesting for me to hear their response on, uh, on uh, American viewpoint of what have happened during the World War II. From our perspective, it was a pure Soviet Union victory and uh, not even uh, Great Britain or United States participation helped uh, even a bit. Uh, but that was, uh, that was a lie, of course. And um, an interesting thing was that I personally spoke with very old ladies, uh, like grandmothers, um, who shared their memory how United States dropped, um, using the parachutes, dropped food parcels uh, during the World War II, uh, including the weapon and the food, and that helped those people to survive. And so it was, you know, mind-blowing how, how definite, uh, differently we were taught. And then from the third grade till like ninth grade, you would become what's called a pioneer, uh, and uh, that would be another part of our uh, of our educational system where they would train you to be like a soldier of the Soviet Union. And so I experienced all of that. Um, and uh, the Soviet Union collapsed when, when I was in the ninth grade. And that was, uh, like even for me, for, for a teenager, that was the most shocking experience because we all, we all hoped, we were all taught that the Soviet Union is the most powerful uh, country in the world. And then suddenly it, it all, I mean, dissolved. And um, since I was, uh, I actually got into Ukraine, uh, into Ukrainian capital when I was six years old. Before that, um, my parents who are, um, my mom is from Siberia, from, from way east of Russia. My dad is from Kazakhstan, which was also one of the republics of the Soviet Union. But they, they both went to a Russian city, Tomsk, and they obtained nuclear power engineering um, degree, and the government directed them, um, you didn't have a choice, but the government would order you to go and to work, and they went and they worked at the Chernobyl nuclear power plant. And so um, they both lived in, we, we all lived in the city called Pripyat, which was only two miles away from the nuclear power plant. Um, my dad very quickly became the leader of a night shift on one of the cores of, of the Chernobyl nuclear power plant. There were four altogether, four cores, four reactors. And so my dad was the, the shift leader of the third reactor. And so when the explosion happened, we were in the city Pripyat. Uh, I was uh, then six years old and my sister was uh, two years old. Um, and so then we were moved to Kiev and that's how I landed here. And so for the next 36 years, uh, I always lived in the capital of Kiev. Okay, so going back, um, in 1991, the Soviet Union collapsed and Ukraine immediately jumped out of the Soviet Union. Uh, why did, did we want to get free? Because uh, whole history of Ukraine is a history of uh, Russian pressure. Uh, for example, 
1932, in 1933, there were two years of great famine uh, when people start from hunger. And according to the Soviet Union history, there were, uh, this, this was a natural hunger caused by the um, lack of uh, rains. But I personally spoke to uh, different people who shared their story. And like I, I spoke to an old lady uh, who, who told me uh, the Soviets came into our village. They collected all the grain that we grew. And that was exactly the time when Ukraine was still considered the breadbasket of Europe. Uh, by the way, this term comes from from uh, from a real fact that Ukraine grew so much wheat that it was exported to Europe. And so she said the Soviet soldiers came into the village, they confiscated all the wheat, and they uh, they put it, loaded it into the wagons of a train, and the train left. A new train came to their to their station, train station, and it was guarded by the Soviet soldiers for two years. And she said the second year when when people basically the all the population of the village died from hunger and she was a small girl at that moment she said we saw the wheat in the wagons of this of those trains grew through the roof and so the wagons were were uh, filled with grain but the soviet government didn't allow people to eat it and so from uh, the soviet perspective it was a natural hunger that was caused by the nature but uh, from a Ukrainian perspective, 12 million Ukrainians, every one third uh, was killed uh, by, by the unnatural uh, man-made um, starving. And so when Ukraine got this uh, opportunity, we immediately jumped uh, and became an independent state, uh, independent uh, country. And of course, Russia didn't like it. Uh, but um, you have to understand that um, the fam famine uh, in the 1932 was caused because back then, in 1932, Ukraine already wanted to get uh, away from Russia. And in order, in order to suppress it, they forced this hunger on Ukraine. And they killed this, mu this many people uh, during the Stalin regime. And so Ukraine got independent immediately. And what happened, you know, it, we didn't just got independent. We wanted to change the, the way of living. And, uh, and what I'm saying to you is, is a pure fact. Ukraine became the bread basket of uh, Russian missionaries. Uh, in Russia, it all stayed the same as it was. The Russian Orthodox Church controlled everything. In Ukraine, we got so much freedom uh, in the evangelistical um, um, atmosphere or say in the evangelistical area that uh, both um, uh, and, and I'm going to tell you why this happened why the um, the freedom came uh, so you need to understand that the orthodox church of the Soviet Union controlled everything and so when the independence came the orthodox church in the orthodox church with uh, Moscow patriarchy which they call it patriarchy which means the head of the orthodox church was in Moscow it continued to exist in Ukraine but Ukrainian Orthodox Church was born immediately with the independence. And so people, most of the people switched to the Ukrainian Orthodox Church uh, headship, but um, the Russian Orthodox Church controlled all the cathedrals. And so um, there was this big um, movement toward Ukrainian Orthodox Church. And because they were both fighting, a lot of evangelical churches were founded. A lot of evangelical Mm, seminaries were founded. So I, I, for example, I'm I'm a graduate of the Kiev Seminary, 
Uh, and that was one of the first evangelical seminars here in Ukraine. And so because of this, a lot of freedom came. A lot of missionaries were trained in Ukraine and they went to Russia. Um, much, much later, it was, it was probably in 2005, maybe 2010, uh, I went and I traveled with the Gideon brothers uh, around uh, Russia as a translator. And I was amazed myself. I didn't recognize it. I didn't, I didn't know. But almost every city we visited, there were Ukrainian pastors there. And so uh, there was a great influence uh, toward Russia. Okay, this is now not possible. And this was blocked about um, 10 or maybe 12 years ago when the Russian Orthodox Church started to cast all the Ukrainians away from Russia and close all the evangelical churches um, uh, including the churches that were purely purely Russian churches, they are now pressed uh, by by the Orthodox Church. Okay, this this all happened during Putin regime. What you need to know about Putin? Uh, Putin came into power after um, the president Yeltsin. So Yeltsin uh, became a president right after Soviet Union collapsed. Uh, Yeltsin was kind of a switch. Uh, of a, from a communistic past to a new modern type of president, but he was more of a more of a communistic guy. Well, Putin was very different. So Putin got into power as a very young and, and strong person in in the year 2000. He was in position for two terms uh, till the year 2008, and then they did uh, this um, um, a false switch. Uh, so he put. Uh, his prime minister, Dmitry Medvedev, into position of a president for one term. And during, he was, Putin was a prime minister who controlled the country. And during his prime ministership, they made a law that allowed the president, they canceled the law that uh, limited presidentiality uh, of, for two terms, and they allowed the president to be in position eternally. And right after this switch term, he became a president once again. And so from a year 2012, Putin is once again a president of Russia till now. So Putin is 70 years old, and he really wants to recreate the Soviet Union. Uh, so why, um, why everything happens now? So let me, quickly, let me quickly tell you what happened in 2014. That will also give you an explanation. In 2014, um, our president was uh, a person named Viktor Yanukovych, who, who was a criminal, pure criminal, but he was set up here by Russia. And so uh, he basically fed uh, the Ukrainian people with the promises that Ukraine will join the uh, European Union. And the week before signing an agreement that Ukraine will be associated with the European Union, and by, by association, in our mind, it's not like being a part of the European Union, but it's, it's more of a direction where we want to go. We, uh, for us, this meant we don't want to be a part of the Soviet Union. But a week before this agreement was to be signed, uh, Viktor Yanukovych completely changed his mind and he submitted to Putin. And that's when Ukraine resisted Viktor Yanukovych. And that's, uh, that is called the Orange Revolution of 2014. So people went to the streets of Kiev and the other, other cities and they said, no, we don't want to be a part of Russia. And uh, Yanukovych ordered um, our uh, police, which was not called the police, but it was like a military police at that moment. He ordered to shoot the people. 
And uh, in about a week, more than 100 people were shot uh, right in the center of Kiev, Kiev on Krishatik Street, right on the main square, more than 100 people. And that's when people got really mad on Yanukovych, and Yanukovych fled to Russia. Uh, but because Yanukovych was uh, put in a position by Russia, he made our, our army so weak that Russian army uh, very easily entered Crimea. Crimea is the peninsular, huge peninsular, huge peninsular, um, way at the north of Ukraine. Okay, just to, to give you an estimation, Ukraine just as big as the state of Texas, but our population is nearly twice as big as the population of Texas. So we are a big country. We are the, the biggest country in, in the European region, uh, and Russia is, is the bigger, is the only country that, that is bigger than us. So Russia uh, basically peacefully entered Crimea and they conquered this huge uh, peninsula and parts of the territories that are bordering with Russia. Uh, and nobody resisted. And so uh, now let's switch back, uh, let's switch right to this period of time. So Putin uh, was fed with information, Putin and Russia were fed with information that Ukraine is tired of uh, pro-Nazis um, type of government and will easily give up to the Russian army. Uh, they had a plan that they will um, enter into the territory of Ukraine in huge number. They had more than 100, well, not 100, uh, yeah, 180,000 of soldiers, troops, uh, with a lot of tanks and with a lot of weapons. And they had a plan that they would enter, they would have a blitzkrieg. So it would take them three days to completely take a whole country under their control. They wanted uh, to uh, make it as if they would enter the capital of Ukraine, the administration of the president, like White House, in the center of Kiev, and they would find the documentation that will um, tell the, the world that Ukraine have a nuclear, nuclear weapons um, that uh, was uh, secretly hidden on the territory of uh, Ukraine, and that was a danger both to Russia and Europe. Okay, so they wanted this plan to work. This plan didn't work. And so um, instead, what, they, what they're playing now, uh, let, let me tell you why, why we know this plan existed. Uh, first of all, uh, there was a, a great information spread uh, from United States intelligence. Uh, like um, we got the, our, our government got the information from Biden and um, your security uh, intelligence services that the war would happen, how many soldiers were on our border, the uh, Maxstar satellite, um, not screenshot, but like photos of all the groups uh, that were located. But both our government and uh, I myself, we didn't believe this would happen. It's it's in, it's impossible to even grasp what is happening now. I'm gonna I'm gonna go into that just in a minute. Okay, so uh, but we got that information and. Um, what happened when they started a war on 24th of February, they got into the territory of Ukraine and they easily conquered some of the cities. Like they surrounded Kharkov. Remember I told you about the former capital of Ukraine, Kharkov, way in the east of Russia. So they surrounded this city and um, they thought that the city uh, that was so close to Russia would immediately give up, would embrace Russian soldiers. But instead, Kharkov people did not they basically went to the streets and they started to scream. Like even today, I saw um, the video from demonstration where people walked on the streets surrounded by Russian troops 
and they screamed out. They said, Kherson, that's a different city uh, near the Black Sea, but, but people in Kherson, they screamed. They said, Kherson is a part of Ukraine. Russian soldiers are Nazis. Go away. And so this happened in every, absolutely every city of Ukraine that was surrounded and conquered by Russian forces since the war started. And so the Russian soldiers got very disappointed and they got out of, I mean, out of, out, out of theory that they were taught. And so what, what Russia did um, because of, an, um, of that disappointment, they started to bomb those cities. So, for example, Kharkov is a city of several millions. It was demolished into ruins. Uh, and of course, from uh, from Russian media, they would say we we never bombed a civilian spot, but that is that is a pure pure lie. Just as all the Soviet Union and everything was a pure lie, just like Putin's regime was a pure lie. They bomb um, they bomb the cities, they destroyed Kharkov, they destroyed Sumy. Sumy is a near nearing city. They went through Chernigov. Chernigov is a city on the north of um, Ukraine, uh, very near the Belarusian border. Now, they went all the way to Kiev, and they completely ruined the satellite cities near Kiev. Okay, now, this is, this is a part of what I saw with my own eyes. There were, were several satellite cities, um, and you need to understand that Kiev is a huge city. Uh, its population um, it was 4 million people. It's very, very uh, widely spread. It's divided by a river that is called Dnieper. And because the, the capital was growing so quickly, there were new and new um, satellite cities adjoining Kiev. And so the three cities on the uh, north were Irving, uh, uh, Bucha, and um, another city, Gastomin. And so those three cities at the top, they were completely demolished by Russian forces. Because Russian forces thought that it would only take them three days to conquer whole Ukraine, they only had food, food and, and fuel supply for about a week period of time. And so, of course, 18 days later, they are out of, of food and they're out of fuel. And um, Ukraine is um, bombing uh, a lot of uh, fuel supply that is coming through Belarus. And Belarus is located uh, right at the north of Ukraine. And so those soldiers are now uh, robbing the Ukrainian stores. They're robbing Ukrainian villages. We have a lot of video. It's, it's really, this war is very, very different from all the rest of the wars because uh, the world is connected. We have a lot of street cameras that are filming uh, the Ukrainian tanks and they're all marked with whether the letter or that letter, Z letter. And there's a lot of videos how there those tanks and those machines would uh, like break through into the windows of the store and they would carry out products or other stuff like even like, you know, um, monitor screens, TV set, they would load it inside their tanks or their machines and they would carry it away. So they're, they're the army of robbers now. Um, the, um, one of my friends from Irpin city, that city that is a satellite city of Kiev, um, his name is Ram Raman Galavanov. Um, his house was, they basically, the tank shot into his house and the house was burned. A lot of people from these, from those satellite cities got into the cars and uh, they traveled right to the, uh, vast, um, border of Ukraine in, near Poland. 
and uh, the women, um, the wives with the children, they were allowed to pass the border and go into Poland or Slovakia or Romania um, uh, when the men were not allowed to go because all the men are, um, are announced to stay here and help, uh, if not fight, but help, at least with the war. So, like, my family situation uh, is such that uh, my wife uh, is divorcing me now. Uh, she went to live with another man, and she left uh, me with two boys. And so, uh, there's no way I can leave Ukraine, um, because I'm, I'm obligated to stay here and fight. And so, um, we, we have to find the other way to kind of survive. Um, in addition, I have my parents, elderly parents, uh, the one that we stayed with uh, near Kiev for, for the last two weeks. Okay, so let me quickly go back to, to what's happening. So, uh, Raman, uh, he, R Raman Galavanov, he lived in Irpin and the tank just shot into his house. And so I talked to Raman and he said, you know, uh, he, he calls me Ivan. He said, you know, I'm, I'm like in this dumb atmosphere of, um, of like a fog in my mind. I can't even understand that this happened. I, I see, I saw my house ruined. My wife and my children are in Poland. Uh, he uh, he migrated to Lviv city, uh, which is uh, in the west of Ukraine, and so he was sharing that his mind cannot recognize what have happened. Uh, a very fresh story. Um, uh, way at the south of Ukraine, uh, there is um, a city called um, Mariupol. That is a city um, that we hear a lot uh, in the last few days. The city was surrounded by. Russian forces, both from Crimea and from the territory of Russia, from the east. Uh, but this city didn't give up. And so the Russian army entered the city and they're demolishing it now. Um, and there is a guy whose name is Gennady Makhnenko. Um, he is um, he's known as the father of uh, 38 adopted children. He and his wife uh, and his team, uh, they adopted that many children um, to 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 raise up, raise them up, and they didn't just adopt it regularly like like other people would adopt. They found those children in the in the catacombs, uh, on the uh, hot water pipes uh, where they were warming themselves through the winter, in the underground. Uh, and most of those children were drug addicts, and they took them into what's called pilgrim house. Um, and so today, five hours before midnight, it's one. Yeah, it's 1 a.m. now. So six hours ago, he wrote that his, um, one of his adopted daughters, who was 27-year-old at the moment, and she had a three-year-old girl, um, their apartment, the tank shot right into their apartment of a many-stored house, and she was killed immediately. Oh. And the boy was not there. At the moment, so the boy survived, but she was killed. And so uh, I read his post and I couldn't stop crying from reading it because of how much pain there is. Uh, there were more than 2,134, they say, two, uh, today the, that statistic was published, 2,134 people, civilians, killed by Russian uh, soldiers in, in that city alone during last week, in the last week. And this is happening everywhere. Kharkiv, Sumy, Militopol, Mariupol, Chernigov, the satellite uh, cities around Kiev, they're, they're just demolishing everything. 
and it's just spreading and spreading and spreading. And so um, uh, let me go back into this nuke, uh, nuke files story that they, they wanted to, uh, to announce. Um, Dmitry Peskov, who is the, um, uh, who is the uh, press secretary of uh, Vladimir Putin, when, he, when the sanctions started to roll out, uh, he was asked if, uh, you, if Russia was ready for those sanctions. He said, yeah, we were ready. And the journalists asked him, um, but those are quite heavy sanctions. Don't you think it's going to ruin your economy? And he said, uh, wait till we tell the world what we found in Ukraine. And so that was, that was pure, pure link to that nuclear weapon uh, that they were supposed to find at the uh, Chernobyl nuclear power plant. But right when the war started, the United States Intelligence Service reported that this part of the scenario is going to be rolled out. And so Russian, uh, uh, Russian uh, strategy fell, and they didn't announce it. So the last four days, the Russian media speaks about the biological and chemical weapon that Ukraine developed um, in the United States laboratories. They're they are stating that there were 15 laboratories in Ukraine that no one ever found or no one ever knew about, that never existed, but they're telling this pure lie to their, to their recipients, to the people of Russia. They're telling that, and I'm not, I'm not kidding, what I'm gonna tell you is, is a fact, and you can even find information uh, in the videos that they broadcasted. They, they are telling people that there were 15 uh, biological laboratories, United States laboratories, located in Ukraine. Those laboratories develop uh, all kinds of diseases that were supposed to be spread, spread by doves, by like birds, migrating birds this autumn. And that Russian intelligence services found out the information and they entered Ukraine in order to prevent this from happening. So from, from their perspective, they are saving the world, you know, from, from an epidemic, from, from a biological danger. Uh, but I mean, from our side, this is, this is another lie that is spread everywhere. And the deaths of so many, many people, uh, there's no way you can, you can explain it really. It's it just, now, Yvonne, can I ask a question? There? Yes. Uh, yes, yes, please go on. Well, you've been very, like, you've been part of sort of trying to get information out to the world uh, with along with right. probably thousands of Ukrainians that are doing that. Um, and I noticed there's a lot of Russians also that are against this war. Uh, and the right. freedom of speech in Russia, of course, is being, uh, is being silenced. And uh, but because of, like you mentioned it earlier, we live in an age of information and it's uh, like right. right now we're talking to you, you know, live from Kiev. Right. And from, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's uh, hard to hide the lie. Right, Jack, but, but not, not in the police, in the military country. So let me tell you, uh, and you can, uh, like, if you would go to my, uh, to my Facebook uh, feed, uh, that yeah, would be, I, I think. I saw that video third. today. Yeah, that's really something. Okay, so a, a girl came to the to the square, to the central square of uh, of Moscow. In Moscow is the capital of Russia, and she asked the journalist. She said, "Do you think if I'm going to show you uh, the paper with two words, I'm going to be arrested?" And so she pulls out a, a paper uh, where two words are written, and the two words are two words. 
So it's not it's not different words. It's actually it's T W O W O R D S. That's what was written on the paper. It took it took me a police one second to quickly grab her and pull away. And the guy, the journalist, said, That's incredible. And immediately a lady, different lady came to him, and, and you can see this video, and that's not that's not the fake. The lady came to him and she, she said, I know you're um, the opposition type of journalist, but would you want to hear the other truth? And so he says, yeah, go on, share the truth. I'm going to record it as well. And so she starts to say that I'm support, I would support Putin in this war. And just before she even started, she only said a few words. She was also grabbed and put into the, into like, they have those tracks, trucks uh, with um, uh, the trucks that they would use to travel people to the prisons. There were 15,000 Russian people arrested in, in the last two weeks for being a part of the demonstration. They blocked Facebook. They blocked Twitter. They blocked, uh, I think they blocked Instagram today. And TikTok, I think they're planning to block TikTok. Uh, they, they are talking about cutting uh, Russia from the world internet and only use the internal net. And I'm not kidding. This is the truth. This is what ha what's happening. Uh, and they're doing this in order to control the, um, the massive uh, d disagreement of the Russian people with what's going on. And let me, let me tell you another thing. Let me answer another question. When the Russian soldiers entered the territory of Ukraine and they saw no nazis, they saw no, I mean, they were fed that, that everything here is like, controlled by the nazis but we are such a free country you know the, the opposition would purely easily speak on tvs against our, our president and nobody would imprison them it was so democratically um democratically democratically available that when those soldiers got into the territory and they started to speak with people of ukraine who spoke russian and the people started to tell them the truth many of those soldiers got very demotivated to fight against those people. And so many of those uh, soldiers decided to not fight. And now many of those soldiers are, uh, are arrested. And so, but then let me tell you another part of the story. Um, that is something, something not, um, not recognized, I guess. But like from my viewpoint, if it's not because of um, United States uh, intelligence services, if it's not because of United States support, mm, most of it was sent through the Great Britain and Poland, if it's not because of United States javelins, if it's not because of United States pressure on Europe, and um, United States is the major reason why all those white sanctions were spread into Russia. Uh, if it's not because of javelins, we would already be conquered, whole country would be conquered. Uh, but uh, the javelins are those, you know, shoulder missiles that could you just basically aim it and you press a button and the tank explodes, and that's very demotivating for Russian soldiers, mm -hmm. and that is that is an only reason why uh, the Russian army um, did not succeed because Ukrainian army was well prepared, really, really well prepared, but we lacked all that modern equipment and our the amount of um, all the weapon that we had was i mean in some cases 100 times less than what russia had and so russia was absolutely unprepared to such a world support of ukraine and uh, definitely 
I mean, we are we are still standing because of it. Okay, uh, this played its the it's played this played its role um, in motivation of Ukrainian people a lot. And so, let me tell you what's going on in Kiev right now. And this is not a secret information. This is this is this is real life, and uh, it's uh, there are many pictures online. Um, Kiev is very fortified right now. In order to drive into Kiev, you have to pass about maybe five or seven blog posts. Uh, your documents will be checked on every one of those blog posts. Every blog post would be um, the concrete walls uh, with sand walls, with um, bags, like building bags filled with sand. You know, there are, there are basically like um, hills built out of those bags. And so there would be tanks staying behind it, and you will have to drive through it, and uh, your, your documents will be checked, your car um, information will be checked, and only citizens will be able to enter, or, or the um, citizens of Ukraine will be able to enter Ukraine, Kiev, uh, the capital. And so um, uh, people with javelins and with uh, French and Great Britain type of javelin, same type of weapon, they are standing there, and they are waiting for the Russian army to enter. So we, for example, hear a lot about this 40-mile-long convoy of Russian uh, army tanks and army military trucks that are lacking fuel at the moment, uh, that are waiting for fuel to finally enter Ukraine. Well, you know, there's, there's uh, the weapon uh, waiting for them to enter, and they're very demotivated. Uh, Belarus, uh, that's neighboring country uh, to the north, is ready to join Russia and also fight um, against uh, Ukraine from the north. But there is a great demotivation happening uh, in Belarus at the moment. Uh, we hear more and more from Belarusian um, generals that their brigades, their, their teams, their armies are uh, refusing to enter the territory of Ukraine and kill Ukrainian people. Because, I mean, you have to understand, we, we were part of the Soviet Union. My, my mom and my dad are from Russia. My grandmothers are still alive and they're in Russia. Many of our relatives are there. And of course, they, when I talk to them, their brain, brains are brainwashed. They, they, they still believe they're nazists. I'm telling them, you know, my friends' houses were shot by your tanks. And they would say, nah, this is, this is just a footage from Baghdad, from Syria. Nah, this is not true. We're not bombing civilians. I'm telling them Irpin was such a new such a modern, such a beautiful green city. It was so beautiful. We would go there just to spend time in their parks, in its parks, in Irpin city. And now there's no city Irpin anymore. It's, it's ruins. Everything is in ruins. And they would say no. And so the Russian media did a great job brainwashing people, people's mind. But when the Russian soldiers got in here, they, they got very demotivated by what they saw. And so the truth came out. So why that important, uh, I think? Well, because if Ukraine is going to win, the Russia as the inheritance of the Soviet Union is going to collapse, of course. Uh, and a Russian empire is a pure lie. I mean, it's, it is so... Uh, people, people are taught not only the political lie, people are taught uh, lie in everything. You know, people are controlled, people are... You, you, the story that I told you about uh, those two ladies being imprisoned in in Moscow uh, in the capital in the central square today, that is that is how they live. They are basically they are part. They are like South Korea. 
but 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 inside uh, inside Russia. That's that's their regime. And so, uh, if Ukraine is going to stand, if Ukraine is going to obtain a victory, that's going to be basically the end of the Putin's regime. One, if Ukraine is going to stand, and Ukraine is going to um, be a European or a democratic country, it's going to be a very mm, a very close example to both the Belarus that is controlled by Lukashenko, who is who is basically a tyrant, and to Russia, who is controlled by controlled by another tyrant, um, Putin. Uh, and so, but then on the on the other side, you know, there's there's so much, uh, so many people praying. I, I I've told my friend recently. I said there were no time in history when so many people prayed for one country uh, and prayed so much than now. I I cannot even imagine another moment in history when when the world would unite to pray for Ukraine. So many Christians everywhere. And so it's an absolutely un- unique moment, definitely. There's something spiritual happening here, and it would. I'm only hoping that this is gonna this is gonna be a, a revival for the Russian people. And one thing you you would also need to understand: in 1991, before 1991, we were taught there is no God, and so f- for the first so many years of my school, I've heard there there was no God. We were taught atheism. I, I still remember how in the age of uh, nine-year-old, when I was nine-year-old, I was in the third grade, and my teacher, um, and you need to understand that in the Soviet, uh, in the Soviet schools, um, you only had one teacher for the first three years, so she would become like your mother. And so my teacher said, there's no God. And she said, because if there would be God, he won't be able to breathe in the space, there is no air. And I was nine-year-old, but I thought, wow, yeah, she's true. That that's logical, you know. I thought, and so when in 1991 everything collapsed, that was a shocking experience. We all felt that we were light for so many years, and there was such a strong hunger for 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 gospel. It, it, it it's impossible to um, to explain, but people wanted gospel more than anything. My pastor from Kiev he shared his story how they went uh, to the streets of Kiev and they, they spread the gospel, the little Gideon New Testaments, they were spreading it. And it was still a time before uh, before 1991. He said it was in 1989 and the police would stop them and they would they would tell them, go away, you can't do it. We we still don't allow it. And the pastor, my, my pastor Peter, he said, I would pull a New Testament out of his out of my pocket and I would give it to him. And he would say, thank you. And he would secretly hide it inside his jacket. And when I heard this story the first time from my pastor, I asked him, I said, did he confiscate it from you? And he said, no. People, uh, people there was such a hunger that he would take it away from me to, to give it to his relatives. And that is, a, that is true. Because I, I remembered then the situation when my dad brought home a New Testament that he got from, from a man. He bought it with money. And he, he paid one third of his salary, monthly salary, to, to buy that New Testament. And he brought it home. And he said, he put it on the shelf as a, as a leader of our family. And he said, this is going to bring us the blessing. <laughs> and it was funny because uh, my mom came to face first. And I came to first uh, later. Um, 
but my dad uh, refuses it even now. He would consider himself an Orthodox, but he was the first person to bring that gospel. So I really feel, I really think, I have it in my mind and my spirit that if the understanding of a lie would come to Russia, people would be so uh, amazed by how um, how deceived they were that there would be uh, there would be like a there would be a, a repeti- uh, there would be um, like another moment in history of Russia when when a hunger would be bur- born out of the hearts of people for the truth. People would feel that they were lied for so so long. There would be great disappointment in the Russian Orthodox Church that supports the current war, and there would be a great uh, hunger for the truth. And the testimonies of um, many people praying for Ukraine would be a great testimony for the Russian people as well. And so there is something spiritual happening here uh, for sure. Um, There is another part of the story that uh, doesn't fit into my mind yet. We all know that um, the northern nations um, uh, from the Israeli perspective are going to go against the war, with the war against uh, Israel. At a specific part of the history, and of course Ukraine, uh, or at least at least the left bank of Ukraine, the the one that is a part of uh, the one that is closer to Russia and Belarus, are, is exactly the northern territories, the Gok of the land of Magog, right? So um, I don't know how that fits into what's happening now. I don't know if if this war is actually part of that history. Of course, I don't, I would hate to even imagine uh, a part of Ukraine being conquered by Russia and being used uh, by Russia to actually go against uh, Israel in the future. That's, that's, this doesn't fit into my mind, at least with the attitude the Ukrainian people have now. Our president is a Jew and, and we are accused of being Nazis. That's, that's insane. But, but Russian people believe it. So, uh, in, at the current moment, it's impossible to even imagine Ukraine going against uh, Israel. Um, but I mean, once again, we read it in the Bible that that's going to happen. And um, I mean, how that would be possible, I don't know. So I hope that w- that was helpful and that was like uh, a part of um, of an overview, I guess. Yeah, well, it's very helpful, and it gives us a good idea of what's going on. Now, a uh, quick question for you about... Yes, yes. Uh, I'm just I'm looking at, uh, like, as far as the Christians, today was uh, Sunday, or now yesterday for you. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. There were many Christians that met there in their churches, in the basement, and other places. What did that look like? Right. Okay, so first of all, um, a lot of people migrated away. From, from everywhere where it was possible to migrate. So like Kiev is half empty. Out of 4 million, we, all, we, only, have four, uh, we only have 2 million people left. Wow. So the churches, the churches are half empty. Uh, most of the people moved to Poland. There are, there are more than 2 million refugees in Poland alone, Ukrainian refugees now. Uh, and so, but of course, yeah, you can't, uh, because, because of so many... Um, sirens, uh, aircraft danger sirens or missile, air, air missile uh, sirens, people are not able to meet in the big halls. Uh, and so every church, uh, nearly every church moved into the basement. And uh, like even in our church, in Transformation Church, in the basement, there are a couple families that are living there. Uh, there's a kitchen where the meals are cooked uh, and then served to both the people who live there and to the people that are lacking. 
uh, there is a, because the cities are blocked. Uh, there, there, there is a, hu- a huge volunteer movement, uh, and m- a lot of churches, uh, a lot, many uh, Christians are involved into that volunteer movement to find the medicine for the people in need, or to find food, or to find um, the um, um, like pampers for the kids and for the elderly people, and to bring it in uh, from the uh, from the western part of Ukraine uh, into the central part and to the eastern part of Ukraine. Uh, as a humanitarian aid and uh, serve to people, and so th- that's that's the situation we're in. You know, the church service. Um, um, there is a feeling. Kiev is was bombed only partially. Uh, only the military objects of Kiev were bombed. The airports, the facilities of different type of services. But in Kiev right now, um, it is warm in my apartment. I'm at the eighth floor of a 10-store uh, uh, building. It's warm. We have gas. We have electricity. I have internet. I am capable to talk to you. Um, and it's it's peaceful outside. And uh, people were outside um, until the siren would, uh, would, would be sounded, and then people would hide inside the facilities, and they would go into the basement of those houses uh, to, to wait until it will be done. It will be over. But um, the cities were the cities that are surrounded. Uh, there were no church services there. Uh, the, I mean, some of the cities are demolished so much. Uh, there are no churches. The church facilities are are destroyed completely to to a ground. Um, in Militopol, uh, there is a, there is a huge pressure of uh, Russian um, army. They appointed yesterday. They appointed a new major of a city, but people uh, people. Every day since the city was conquered, people went to the central square and they they protested. And Christian uh, Christians would go with all those people to the central square and they would they would organize prayer groups and they would just pray there for God to ruin the plans of of the Russian uh, of the Russian army in there. But people would protest and they would basically they, there's one one slogan one one phrase they would scream they would scream the name of their city and they would say is Ukraine. Like Kherson is Ukraine, Militopol is Ukraine, Sumy is Ukraine. We don't want to join Russia. You were you were taught a lie. <sighs> and I mean, it's I'm amazed at their bravery. Um, and I mean, I, I we don't even hear a lot of information from those cities because uh, as soon as a city is surrounded, the electricity is cut off, uh, not to spread the information, not to um, pass the information about the locations of the Russian army army uh, and then we do, we hear no news uh, from um, from those people so like for example uh, the Mariupol city it is not yet conquered it's only surrounded and that's how i've i've heard that story i've read the post of uh, Gennady Makhnenko about his daughter mm. uh, being killed today oh that's tough so there's 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 a lot of pain jack there's there's so much pain uh, there is another thing that is happening um, in many Christians are getting very, uh, very angry uh, on Russian people, um, and um, like today I had a, I had I spoke uh, um, I hold, I spoke with the wife of a pastor, uh, and while speaking I told her. Um, that we need to pray for the Russian people. Um, the prayer Jesus prayed, uh, saying, 
Lord, please forgive them. They don't know what they do. Uh, and they were very, she was very aggressive, uh, saying that I didn't see the dead people uh, or I didn't see the, mass, the masses of dead people enough um, to, to stop praying this prayer. And um, her explanation um, is, I mean, I can, I can understand it because even the pictures that we see, even the, the, the things, the demolished facilities. I mean, let me tell you the, the, another fact. Um, and you will be able to see this picture inside, um, in internet. In Irpin, uh, this satellite city of Kiev, and this happened two days ago, a mother and her 12-year-old boy were killed right on the street and because the city was completely ruined and there were no people to even evacuate their dead bodies, some people went, digged uh, a ditch at the playground and they took uh, pieces of uh, piles, like, you know, food is brought with piles, and they, they took those sticks out of the piles and they constructed two crosses with the names of those two, of those two people, the mother and uh, her, uh, her son, 12-year-old son, 30, 30, I think, 6-year-old mother and 12-year-old son. And so there's this picture and there's even a video I saw today how a man comes in and he says, um, there's no way we could bury them at the cemetery. There's, there's nothing working. There's no transport. The roads are ruined. There is no way to transport those dead bodies. So people are buried now in the near the capital of huge country at the playgrounds. And, and this is not an only case. Uh, we started, Ukraine started to construct what's called um, brotherhood uh, burial places. Uh, in the cities that are surrounded by Russian forces, there are those um, um, brotherhood burial places where like 100 people, unnamed people, that are hard to identify are burned into the soil because the soil is still cold and there is no other way to preserve the bodies. This is, this is, happening, this is happening now. In, in, in one of the European countries, uh, just because Russia decided that it wants to, to get Ukraine uh, back to Russia. Wow. I mean, yeah, it's, I, told you, I told you in the beginning that it, it doesn't fit in, in, into my mind. It, it, I just, I cannot grasp that this is happening, but it is happening. I was telling people uh, Wednesday that when I was talking to you last time when you were in the village, mm -hmm. we, could, mm -hmm. we could hear the explosions in the background. And yeah. you were saying it's like a dream and you just expect to wake up, but it yeah. isn't a dream. No, that, is, that is a feeling of, that is a feeling everyone shares. Um, and um, you, you know what? Um, there's another thing that uh, I just recognized yesterday. Uh, my sister, um, she, her husband and their three children, they went to Poland uh, about 10 days ago. Um, and uh, it took them five days to travel through Ukraine and get to Poland because of how how bad are the roads and how the roads are blocked and other things like other reasons like that and the blog posts. And so they got to Poland and I talked to them um, uh, using the Internet Messenger two days ago. And um, and they say um, uh, there, it's an interesting feeling. You are in Poland and there's no danger for you. But you would go into a supermarket and you would hear something knock, like like um, a box would drop or something would drop on the floor. And you would kind of, um, how would you say, you would kind of experience a shock. You would, you would turn around and you would have this, the same feeling as 
as fear you experienced when the bombing occurred. And so she shared it with me and I told her, you know, it's, it's different. It's opposite in my mind. I started to get used uh, to the bombings and uh, I just, I would even notice myself that the bombing uh, happened uh, at that near that village all day long. And I just didn't pay attention to it. Uh, only when uh, very loud explosions would uh, explode. And uh, I mean, Russia already used, and that's a proven fact, Russia already used, um, what is the word, phosphor? I don't know. Yeah, it's uh, phosphor. What is that? Like you're saying uh, cluster bombs, maybe? I don't know. Uh, uh, phosphor phosphor uh, in, in Russian, it's a, like fire. It's a piece, it's a material... It's a material, um, if you would put a flashlight on it, and then you would turn off the flashlight, and it would be in the dark, it would right. glow. Yeah, they have phosphorus bombs that uh, yeah, yeah. What we would say. Yep. Yeah. So they use those type of phosphorus bombs uh, above the cities. And this bomb uh, is a type of bomb that basically, uh, it's like the, uh, the rain of fire that drops down, and it continues to burn on, this, on the soil for about a minute or more, of course, if it would put on stuff on fire. They already used uh, thermobarrier bombs, which are vacuum bombs. Mm -hmm. They already, they, uh, there are bombs, there are, there are holes in the ground from the one-ton bombs, one ton of weight, which is 1,000 kilos of weight. I don't know what's it, what, what is it in pounds. Uh, but, uh, I mean, like yeah. three days ago, they dropped a bomb of that size uh, right near Mariupol's... Um, um, what is that name? Um, it's like a children's hospital and the maternity house. Yes, the maternity, maternity house. house, right? And so, I mean, they're doing they're doing things I can never imagine they would be doing, but they're doing it. Yeah. Uh, just this morning, I think at one a.m. Um, of Ukrainian time, so it's exactly twenty four hours ago. Two planes um, flew from Russia. They flew. Um, over the Black Sea, and from the territory of the Black Sea, they uh, they shot eight rockets. Uh, the rockets that hit the facilities at the what's called uh, Yavariv Polygon. Uh, Yavariv Polygon is um, the base, the army base, uh, about twenty kilometers, so like fifteen miles away from Poland. Mm, near Lviv. And uh, uh, near uh, well, way way uh, to the west from Lviv, uh, right on the border with Poland, and so they bombed. The facilities where the NATO um, uh, instructors were and the Ukrainian soldiers were. And so 36 people died immediately and more than 150 people were injured by those eight missiles only. And so they're, they're doing all kind of stuff like that. And of course, you need to understand that there's no way back for, for Ukrainians. It's basically, it's a civil war. Uh, we, uh, there's no way we can give up. There's no way we could accept uh, their requirements, and the and Russian requirements are very simple. They want uh, they want Ukraine to rule uh, almost full regions of um, of those uh, territories that were conquered by Russia. They want um, all the weapons removed from Ukraine. Uh, they want Ukraine to uh, uh, sign in a constitution that Ukraine will not be a part of uh, any type of unions like European Union or uh, NATO. Uh, they want to bring Yanukovych, the the former president who ran away and uh, hid for eight years in Russia. They want to bring him back and appoint him to be a president of Ukraine, which is impossible. It's it's absolutely impossible. After after he ordered to kill hundreds of people uh, at the streets of Kiev, that's that's impossible. 
But uh, because Putin was fed by lie from his uh, generals and from his mass media, they think it's possible. But that's impossible. And so let me quickly tell you, uh, let me quickly uh, give you a summary of what's going to happen with Kiev. Um, Kiev is uh, currently surrounded on the north, uh, and uh, they're trying to surround it uh, at least on the east and on the west. And they would want to sneak into Kiev um, and create what's called um, uh, city fights. Um, but um, what, what the government did, the government said when the war started about a week after, the government said, if you have an army experience, experience or if you were part of a war, uh, you can come and sign a concrete and con contract, and we would give you um, the Kalashnikov gun with about 100 ammo, and you would form what's called territorial defense. And so, for example, uh, I live in a district uh, that is called the Sleeping District. So there, there are no strategical spots here. There are no like army bases or anything like that. There are only stadiums, schools, parks, supermarkets, um, you know, concert halls, cinemas. Nothing, nothing that needs to be bombed. Uh, but uh, like in my house alone, there are about 10 people that have Kalashnikov gun. And uh, those people formed what's called territorial defense. So they're defending our house. Uh, I know those people personally. They're our neighbors. They're peaceful. Uh, as a result of this action, so, so 45,000 uh, Kalashnikov guns were distributed uh, through those contracts signed by the people who have army um, experience. And those people spread through all the Ukraine and they are allowed by the government to control those guns during the war time. But they are, they are uh, obligated to give the guns back um, in 10 day period when the war is not announced as over. And so uh, as a result, the, the crime uh, level in Ukraine dropped about 10 times. There are 10 times less stealing people, people killed on the streets of, of Ukraine. Could you imagine that? I mean, but that's a fact. That's not, that's not a lie. Like in Kiev, near, nobody, nobody is basically reporting the stealing because, I mean, who would ever want to steal something when people are so organized? So like in my house, people joined. Um, uh, we have the, the most popular messenger here is Viber, called Viber. And so we, we created groups. In Viber, uh, everybody informs everyone about different uh, situations that are happening. People, because there is such a lack of uh, workers in the supermarkets, people, the supermarkets would send information to the Viber groups. And so, for example, the head of our, of our house, would uh, she posted a, a notice today. She said, we need people helping in the supermarket to unload the food and distribute the food. And so people from our home went and volunteered to just um, unload trucks. Um, and the supermarkets don't look like they looked before. Everything is not on the shelves now. Everything is on piles. So like, like milk is stocked on piles and you just grab it from piles. The bread is stocked on piles, not on the shelves. Uh, and so people would unload those, unload those piles and they would, uh, you know, do that type of service. And so there is, there is an, unpredictable uh, feeling of uh, unity and uh, friendliness and of um, of kindness of some kind you know people people are very united in pain but but people are so kind to each other and supportive it's just I mean it's very it's like you know there's this feeling of righteousness that we are fighting for the righteous reason and 
this feeling of light. I, I cannot even imagine. I, I describe it. It's, it's just, uh, there's this union, uniteness of, of some kind. So, so I think Kiev uh, as a capital will not give up easily and there will be many city fights, um, or maybe not. I really hope that a lot of stuff would would be done uh, at the at the borders of Kiev before it will kind of sneak into the center into the center. Well, uh, Yvonne, we won't keep mm-hmm. you too long. I know it's in the middle of your night, uh, but uh, yes, this has been a tremendously informative uh, time here, and and I think it's enlightened us a lot on some of the history and what's going on and the situation that you're in for sure and. Uh, I have, uh, well, probably what we'll do is just, if you don't mind, just maybe pray with you. But is there anything else you'd like sure. to say before we... Uh... Yeah, yeah. Let me let me ask you to... Uh, the, the most important prayer need now is uh, to pray for our government. Um, our president, uh, you know, Zelensky president, um, there were at least 10 cases already when uh, there were attempts to kill him by different groups of people, by Russian soldiers that were dressed into the different, uh, and they were dressed like Ukrainians, by uh, Ukrainians uh, soldiers who, um, who kind of, you know, they agreed to do that uh, for money. Uh, and so this is happening, this is happening, uh, th- there's a great danger to him. And so uh, we are all praying for God to protect him uh, and to give him wisdom how to direct all of this. Um, there is um, now a, uh, a moment, of, like at least the last three days, uh, he is he and the uh, government are stating that um, it is fine with us to not be a part of NATO, uh, but we want to have some kind of guarantees, guarantees of uh, of, of security of some kind. Um, and so there are negotiations happening. So please pray for that. Um, there's a lot of pain in the cities uh, that are demolished, and uh, many of the people, like people, people in Mariupol, uh, the city is surrounded, and people in the city is surrounded for ten days, and Russian forces are not allowing the humanitarian um, vehicles to drive into the city. People don't even have water. There are already cases that people die from dehydration. Uh, which is absolutely insane, but that's happening. And so, please pray for those um, situations to be to be solved. And uh, I mean, honestly, t- talking about myself, uh, I'm, you know, that's something I'm I'm saying to myself as a Christian. I'm saying, Lord, I I trust you. I know my life belongs to you. The life of my kids belongs to you. The life of my parents, of my near ones. There are so many people in Kiev um, from Transformation Church, from our church, who c- cannot evacuate for different reasons, for lack of money or for lack of abilities. People are, some people are sick, some, many, many reasons. And I mean, I cannot even imagine myself evacuating from here and just leaving all those people just like it is. So, so please pray for, for God's wisdom, for God's protection, for God to be our refuge, for God to create miracles, for God to... Uh, to demotivate those Belarusian Belarus, Belarus, uh, soldiers to not join the Russian army for all of this. It's, well, it's insane, really. This yeah. war is definitely insane. 
Well, let's, uh, if you don't mind, I'll have a word of prayer with yes. you there. And, and I just want Gladly, to say on, on behalf of our church here, uh, thank you so much for taking the time. No, the, not, not at all. In the not middle at all. Of the thank night. you. And thank you for joining, friends. Thank you. And it's just been a real blessing. And we are going to continue to pray for you. And we'll stay in touch as Please. well to see how things are mm -hmm. going. But hey, let's have a word of prayer. Lord, yes, again, please. we mm -hmm. come before you. I thank you for Yvonne and his family and for just this uh, mm. opportunity to share tonight and the technology that allows it. And thank you, Lord, that yes, we can gather you, here in, in, a, in a peaceful part of the world. We're mindful of that. We're blessed in that way. And yet, Lord, our mm. brothers and sisters in Ukraine and other places in the world are suffering greatly tonight. And mm. we want to pray, Lord, that you would just very much uh, be with the, the dear people of Ukraine and, and this whole... Mm invasion that has taken place that lord there would be uh you would put a hindrance to the bloodshed uh you would make russian soldiers put down their weapons uh lord yes. you would uh, yes. have other leaders uh, decide they would not join the fight and lord mm -hmm. more than anything you'd put an end to this and i pray you'd protect uh, especially those tonight as we've talked about these various cities mm -hmm. and these places lord that are surrounded and cut off mm -hmm. i think of mario mm -hmm. and the amount of people that are still there and, and suffering greatly now for 10 days without water, mm -hmm. without electricity, without heat, uh, and being mm -hmm. bombed still. And I think of Kiev as well, and we pray certainly, Lord, for the people there, the almost 2 million that are, are there now, mm -hmm. and uh, all these that have taken up defensive positions, that, Lord, I pray your hedge of protection about them, and uh, we do pray for miracles. We pray, Lord, mm -hmm. that the weather would hinder this invasion further and other areas lord that we would just commit to your will i pray for mm -hmm. president Zelensky. i pray for his guidance and wisdom and yes. lord again his protection and uh, and as well yeah. lord i pray for vladimir putin that you would uh, hinder yes, him lord, and, and lord him. have him come to his senses and uh, mm -hmm. back away from this uh, and lord whatever you have mm -hmm. to do if it is removing him from power we would pray to that end but, Lord, mm -hmm. we leave it with you as you are the one that can raise mm -hmm. up kings mm -hmm. and put mm -hmm. kings down just as quick. And, Lord, I ask for these negotiations that are going on on the world stage. Mm -hmm. And we pray for other leaders, that may, uh, including leaders in our nation here in America, that, Lord, they would mm -hmm. do the right things and not just the, yes. the politically expedient things. And we would ask, God, that you'd give wisdom in, those, uh, in that area. Uh, Lord, I thank you for my brother again and his chance mm. just to talk to us tonight and uh, pray you'd just uh, give him rest in the midst of this great uh, conflict. Uh, be with his boys, be with his mm. uh, family and also his family in Russia. And we want to pause to pray for the Russian people mm -hmm. that the mm -hmm. truth of what's going on would get through yes, to Lord. them. And Lord, beyond that, that there would be a revival yes. of yes. your word. That yes, would go Lord, forth make it. As people would understand that the Bible has its message for them, the reconciliation mm -hmm. between man and mm -hmm. God. So we pray the gospel would go forward, people would repent, people would come to know you as Savior. And Lord, I again just thank you for uh, that. I pray for Transformation Church and mm -hmm. the believers who are there, many that cannot evacuate, those that are living in the mm -hmm. basement and, and taking refuge there. Uh, and I pray again, you'd put your hedge about that building and about those people. And Lord, use them yes, in these Lord. days yes. to be a bright lighthouse uh, for the gospel in Ukraine mm -hmm. and, and throughout the world. And help us, oh Lord, to be mindful of each other and just continue to lift each other up in prayer through these days. And we want to thank you tonight. Mm -hmm. 
In Jesus' name, amen. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank, Thank you, you, Lord. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you, Yvonne. Yes. And uh, God be with you, my brother. Thank you, Jack. Okay, okay bye. Yeah, bye-bye. Well, there we go. I think we're... Hold on here. There we go. So, uh, anyways, blessing, I hope. And uh, we didn't have much chance there to get questions in, but maybe we can do that another time. I know it's getting late for all of you guys, but... Thank you for uh, all of you coming out tonight, and, and I hope that helps put some faces and names and places and all that to what's going on. All right, thanks.